Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Faye and Tom's Divorce Coaching Podcast and today we're talking about starting over, navigating changes after you've been through a separation and divorce. So I'm turning the tables Tom, I'm going to start by asking you a question Um, and I want to ask you what was the major change that you had to navigate after your divorce? What's the biggest thing? After the divorce of the actual formalities or when we first split up? Because there's two different things. They, they certainly are. Um, we'll go with then, when you first split up, what was one of the major things that you had to work through? Bloody hell. Uh, where to live um, was an immediate one. Um, <laughs> how I could sort out seeing the kids and then how to navigate that communication process and i'm talking like when it's really raw like hours uh, not even just days after um when you get to see the kids how you communicate that when you know that the other person is really hurting um like i said where to live i went from like the family home um as it were and you know when people use the phrase about leaving the family home uh-huh. well, i personally i don't see that i left the family home when again, I think we're kind of covering sport, not to get too much into it, but when me and my ex-wife had that fateful discussion on that fateful night back in March 2017, um, she was obviously really hurt and really upset and really emotional, and she needed support and solace. And she said, "Look, would you mind if I call my sister and have my sister come over?" I was like, "Yeah, call it, no worries." And this is kind of this is the, the reason I'm telling you this. It does kind of speak to my answer. Um, I'm just going on a random monologue here, but <laughs> they, uh, I said, "Yeah, no, look, of course I kind of get that." That's fair enough. So her sister came over, and I said, "Look, I'll give you guys some space. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go out." And I remember categorically swearing on kids' lives. Right, <laughs> swearing on. I categorically made an agreement with her and with her sister. I was like, "I am not leaving the family home." I am going out for a pint of milk. It's just the same if I was going to get petrol or pick up a sandwich, whatever it is. I'm just going out for a drive. I am coming back. I'm not going anywhere. Um, and what within about, I think, I can't remember now. Um, it's like something like, I remember it well back then, but it's like 37 minutes or something. Uh, I did had phone calls, text messages from my now ex-brother-in-law saying, we've spoken to a solicitor. They hadn't. It was about half 10 at night. I've spoken to family sister, you've left the family home, state execution, you're not allowed back in 48 hours. So I suppose my going back to the emergency room answer, my immediate what have I got to do starting over? Where am I even going to sleep tonight? Yeah. Um so again, I suppose for anybody watching this that's maybe in that pre or planning kind of phase or stage, or even thinking about this is like a likely situation that you might find yourself in. Um not to kind of prepare for entry eventualities, but know that you've got somewhere to go have a friend a family member someone you can call on immediately um and where you can go uh i ended up going down to my parents and they were away they were i can't remember where i think they were in greece or new zealand or somewhere um but they'd literally just gone away uh so their house was empty it was like a 45 60 minute drive away so i had to then drive by myself in an emotional state for an hour down the m1 to go and stay at my parents' house. Um, so yeah, it was yeah, it was just knowing where you're going to sleep that first night can be really, really scary. Um, that resonates with me, and I think a lot of our clients, you know, that fear of where am I going to live it is such a big one, and it can literally take over. I remember with my first marriage, we 
we'd brought the plot of land, we'd built the house mm. and we'd only lived in it for about 17 months before mm-hmm. uh, my first husband decided he didn't want the marriage anymore. And literally I spent many, many months, even though um, my ex moved out and I was in this huge house on my own with a one-year-old daughter rambling around thinking, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. I, I certainly couldn't afford the house that, that we'd built together. Um, so it is that fear that can actually paralyze you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and we ended up, mo- mo- both of us moving. And then on my second marriage, I had the same again. It was my ex's house. Um, again, so I was left thinking, oh, my gosh, I need to move again. I have actually, we were laughing before, and I've moved quite a bit over my divorce journeys. Um, so again, that panic setting again, thinking, what on earth am I going to do? Where am I going to live? I've got two children at this point. So it is a, a huge fear and worry that lots of people go through. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know about you, I went to, I, mean, I originally went down to sleep with my parents, but for like that night or whatever it was, I actually ended up, because obviously my family lived 45 plus minutes away, and my kids are in my hometown or where I live, um, as is their mother and their schools, etc. That I didn't want to be staying a 45, 60 minute drive away um, for any of those potential opportunities where I would be able to get to see them, where I would be have the opportunity, which even now still sounds like the wrong word to say, have an opportunity to see each other when I, in those earlier days, when maybe I get a message saying, hey, look, do you want to take the boys to the park or something like that? I didn't want to be an hour away. So a friend of mine, her and her, unfortunately now ex-husband, uh, they actually said, look, come and stay with us. It's the next, not town, but like little area of the same town. So like we live in, uh, we live in Bedford and she lived in me and my ex lived on one side, but and my friend stayed like a little village over. So I went and stayed with her and her husband for I think it was about three, maybe four weeks, might be less than that actually, so that I was nearby. But then it came to the point of her wanting to have the boys stay over for the night, which my ex at the time didn't want to do with me staying at a friend's. Um, so again, we had to find them as another change, like you said, the constant moving. It yeah. was in case of at the time trying to appease my ex so that I could find a way to work with her so we could start figuring out that co-parenting thing when everything's still really raw for everybody and for the kids as well one of her caveats was that she would only let me have the boys overnight if I went and stayed at my if I was staying at my parents so then I moved from my friends it was just around the corner to be close to the boys to 45 60 minutes down the road at my parents so that I could have the boys on the weekends um so they can actually stay over so yeah, knowing where you're going to live and what you're going to do um is some of the scarier things the other thing that comes up for a lot of people work yeah whether you're already working and more so if you're not and haven't been for years exactly I was so lucky Tom that I've kept you know I was a teacher I still am a teacher in a part-time capacity that I kept my job and I was so glad that when I was married that I didn't give that job up to to be a full-time stay-at-home mum and I know that's a lot of worry for, for some women that have done that thing oh my gosh I need to find a job I need to start earning some money you know I'm so glad that I had a job still I felt so grateful and you know I'm still obviously at the same job I've been in a long time and when I've thought about that I think why am I still in this job and I know exactly why it gave me that stability my yeah. personal life was a mess but I needed that constant of having a job to go to yeah. And I think a lot of people see their job as that constant, don't they? 
And I think if you move jobs or you haven't got a job, it just seems a huge, again, a scary place to be thinking, what am I going to do? Yeah. I mean, I, before we got separated, I'd spent what the best part of that 14, 15 years or whatever it was, um, in the city working in recruitment and for about the last seven or eight years of that as a director and founder of two different businesses. And, um, so I was used to that kind of city life and leaving at six in the morning, not getting to eight, eight nine o'clock at night. But some months before we separated, one of the things that she was unhappy about was me working in London. So I changed and got a job back out close to home. Um, so I was actually already, I was only like, I think I was, it was in my first week, maybe my second week, I think it was, of my new job and my first job for almost 15 years outside of London which I wasn't used to because there's a bit of a different kind of experience yeah. working in the hustle and bustle of the city. Um, and I was working for this really small company um, out in the sticks, middle of nowhere, um, with a real different approach and mentality and way of working that I wasn't used to. So I was trying to adjust to a new working place as well as all this other stuff going on. And uh, yeah, it was yeah, it was horrible. Needless to say, I actually ended up going back and finding another job back in London. <laughs> I went back to work. And I, no, I need to go back to what I know. I need some kind of, solace and comfort zone yeah. for me so you uh, found safety in going back to what you knew did yeah i did which then again ironically even some years down the line what a couple of years later when i finished all my retraining etc for me to then go actually i'm gonna go and work for myself and set up a coaching practice uh, helping people going through divorce uh, which is obviously a million miles away from doing what i was doing before so i think that's one of the other things is you're going to find things out about yourself that you have either a suppressed mm -hmm. and haven't wanted to admit to yourself whether that is about your boundaries of what partner is acceptable to you um your parenting styles will very much likely change as well and your approaches to them right your friendship circles that's a huge one isn't it that it's can really is, yeah that can change a lot and then and your career as well there's so many things if you think about everything in your world when you are married or with someone um literally think about every different facet of that angle of that life family etc extended but all of it is going to have some kind of involvement or maybe it might be very minor but it might be huge as well Definitely. I liken it to the, you know, you feel that your life when you're going through a separation divorce, that your life is spinning out of control. So for me, you grab onto things that you can control. And that for me was my job. It was my friends that I still had. It was my children. And I could find it's finding that comfort. It's that safety, isn't it? When everything else is going wrong, that you look at where you feel safe. And it's ironic for me, the house I live in now is only a couple of streets away from the house that I had when I was first single after my second marriage. So obviously I felt safe in that area because I've come back to it. Um, so it's, it's interesting when, when you talk about safety that it's, you know, people just want to feel safe. They want to be in control of certain things of their life because they're not in control of other parts of their life. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you, I was going to say, actually, and this isn't to kind of link it back to what we do, but actually it's kind of follows on from one that we've recently done around or a couple of episodes ago uh, when we recapped, didn't we, on yeah. what is a divorce coach or as one client asked me, WTF is a divorce coach. But <laughs> it's not just, I don't know if you find this, when you're talking with potential clients or if you're networking or when you're working, partnering with a solicitor maybe, and they'll always say, look, how do you approach it? What do you, what do you actually do? And actually, in fact, it's not just the emotional support and well-being um 
there's also a lot of practicalities. I know we've spoken before, you're a bit more holistic and I'm a bit more practical, but you still, I imagine you still find and work with a lot of those topics around, like your example, where you said maybe a single parent, let's just say maybe a single mum, hasn't been in the workplace for even five years, because that can be a huge difference from a technical stance these days, but even five or 10 years. I also find that a lot of work that I do with my clients is also helping them kind of figure themselves out again. And that whilst it's divorce coaching, I might have 30 minutes of one of, of a client session helping them figure out their CV or helping them find out where to go and find a new job or what recruiters to speak to or when we're just talking in the job context. So it's not, yes, it is the emotional support well-being, you're helping you manage and understand and cope through that and really figure yourself out again. But it's also those practicalities of how you then move on actionably, isn't it, around what, how you move forward. Definitely. You know, I'm just thinking back to the so many clients and myself, I was one of those people that thought to myself, I don't even know who I am anymore. Mm. And it's working towards finding out that finding what you want to do with the rest of your life. And, you know, that could be a small change from, like you say, maybe doing more hours at work or a big change, having a total retraining again in something completely new. Or, you know, so I think, you know, for me, when I work with clients, it's very much around you need to find your passion. You need to find who you are, because as we know, divorce changes you as a person. Yeah. yeah. You do have to do that self-awareness and find out who you are. And like you say, it's hard and it's painful. Some of the things that I found out about myself, not very nice things. (laughs) Um, I always say I I can be very selfish. And, And for me to accept that, especially when I haven't got my kids, um, was hard you're accepting the good and the bad about yourself aren't you yeah yeah I think that, that's a really good point as well and I've spoken about this in some other clubhouse rooms as well as our own one but also in the the, the dad's one I do the thriving father's one on, on Mondays at one o'clock and we were talking around that in terms of an identity piece as well and actually where to give yourself a break and take the pressure off of if you about that that feeling of like selfishness that actually to still turn up and be present and show up as the best version of yourself you still need to be able to have an element of selfishness where you look after yourself you go and do the things that bring you joy and passion and that make you smile so that it makes you a better person as a whole for those times when you have got the kids as well as when you haven't um and, and, and trying to go through this process and this this minefield uh, of situations one of the other things i suppose that I was going to come to and I'll only mention it because we've got someone coming on in an episode or two um, around the co-parenting stuff things like that is your nesting arrangements that was a new thing as well now did you you didn't do that did you no no neither did I but <laughs> maybe it may, maybe it's a 2020 2021 thing um we, we weren't we weren't doing it back in 2017 and 2018 I can tell no. Um, but it seems to become more and more common now, doesn't it? And again, that could also be a huge shift because everyone, everyone's scenario is different. Everyone's experience is so different. And that might be something that you might find as being one of the biggest struggles when, and obviously we're mentioning this is confidential, but there is a uh, there is a client that I know of where one of the struggles they had is where they've got a nesting arrangement. For anyone that doesn't know what it is, it's where the, pe- the kids stay in the family home and the parents become interchangeable and move out intermittently. Um, they were also in their nesting arrangement. They had a shared apartment or something somewhere, not far from the family home. But of course, they're both still sharing that place. So they're sharing two homes whilst never being around each other. So even when you're like, right, I'm not in the family home. I haven't got to do the washing up and cleaning and tidying up with the kids and the school runs. 
and then you go back to the flat that you're also sharing with your ex and be like they've left all their shit around like their washings everywhere (laughs) yeah i mean it is fascinating i can't wait for that podcast um Um, because it certainly wasn't around like you say in 2017 (laughs) and obviously it doesn't work for everyone but i think with with changes as well and you change as a person it depends what you've been through i think one of the main things that i really struggled with as well was we talked about friendships a lot of my friends were friends I had with with my husband at the time that we as you know you go out together you socialize together maybe they've got children because you've got children so it works so when you uh, find yourself single again it's like oh my gosh are they still going to be my friends do I still want them as my friends and yeah. I've got to admit I had a complete friend overhaul scary though it may seem I still do keep in contact with with old friends however I've got a new what I call my new crew who yeah. were my singledom crew that we'd go out with because they were in the same position as me. They were going through divorces. Yeah. Um, so we used to go out and have great fun um, because we could. And we used to swap stories and actually feel like, actually, this isn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. I've also had that with a couple of clients where they're, they've said, oh, like my, 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 my friendship circles, they're all still married. Some of them happily, some of them not, whatever it might be, or in long-term relationships, again, some happy, some not. And then they don't have, they feel that they have anyone that kind of resonates and really knows what they're going through. And again, I always say to them, it's like, cool, well, look, you've got an opportunity. You don't have to lose those friends, but you can still go and expand your horizons and meet new people that are in that same boat and same experiences. And like you, mine's a little bit different. My, all of my wife's friendship circle is actually her immediate family. Um, so it was not just like losing friends, but it was also losing families. It was a double-edged sword in that respect. Um, so that game was something that was quite difficult and, and quite hard. But I, my new partner, um, friend, I got really close with a lot of her friends, but I also reconnected with a lot of my, I suppose, uh, my family as well, which I've been a bit distant for for years and latter years of my marriage. And old friends as well that I hadn't really seen that much of, um, as well as new friends as well, and people like you, Faye, uh, <laughs> coming and doing stuff like this. I'm glad you said that, Tom. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say the best till last, of course. Um, but yeah, I think the other thing is, like, when it comes to starting over, don't don't be afraid of that new change because there is going to be a lot of changes. And I think one of the biggest things is around just allowing to not put so much pressure on yourself. Yeah, and that all these changes are coming at once because um, as much as I would love to say that this isn't true and it's going to be for a lot of people they come thick and fast and they come very quickly and quite rapidly one after the other in some instances or most instances as well so I think again this isn't to scare everybody out there um, but think about the things that could be useful for you whether it's working with a coach like myself or Faye or indeed anybody else I mean we can help you decipher all these things but still look at your support network so if it's that first night where can you go where can you stay where are you going to be supported and positively if it's the job stuff for example that we're talking about do you know anyone friends and family on your side that you're going to stay connected with who works in some form of recruitment or hiring or has been a hiring manager that can give you some ideas around helping you put together your CV and where to apply and making your LinkedIn and things like that. All those types of little touch points that can help lessen the fear and the scare factor around it and where you can look for support because the people are out there um, and there's nothing wrong with asking for help, not at all. Yeah, definitely. And it's accepting that you are going to have days where you feel spinning, that you're out of control. You are going to have days where you feel overwhelmed. 
and you're going to have days where you're feeling that like you're on top of everything that's the nature of the beast and and it's just keeping on your path and I always used to say do you know what even if I'm having a bad day I'm okay with that because tomorrow is going to be a better day and I would take really baby steps some days huge steps in other days like everybody it's being okay with that it's knowing that you are where you are supposed to be at any given time yeah and one thing that I'm thinking about that we haven't touched on is one thing that I had to adjust to, like everyone who's a parent is not having your children all the time. That's a huge adjustment. Yeah. And I can remember sitting at home, probably crying my eyes out because I was going to have to share my children. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a huge change. Yeah. No, and, and again, just my own experience, but also what I hear a lot more so with guys um, is about the fear of are they going to get to see the kids again and when and for how much and for how long and things like that and that that again it can just be a very scary moment for people uh, as well i think that that was probably the biggest one and the biggest fear factor uh, i had uh, as well i mean to be fair i didn't really care where i lived <laughs> still don't so long as i've got <laughs> some as long as i've got my kids um got, well, and obviously all four of them uh, that i have now um yeah, I was interested to see who was going to bring that up because obviously it's one of the more obvious and bigger ones that we speak about it so often, don't we, about, about <laughs> uh, and things like that. Uh, but that is also, again, to not, from that kind of self-pressure, um, yes, it is going to be an adjustment period. Yes, it's going to be upsetting and scary. I mean, we spoke about music once before, didn't we, about what songs did we listen to? Um, and I, I used to have this systematic process when I dropped the, the boys off. I think I told you before, didn't I? We used to drop the boys off, put away from the old family home, get on the dual carriageway going to where I was going, and I'd pull over in the first lay-by. I'm a smoker, so I'd have, well, I was a smoker. I bait now. It's just down there. Um, and I'd, I'd open the window, I'd have a cigarette, and I'd play um, uh, Father and Son by Cat Stevens, and I'd just oh, cry yeah. and get it all out, and then like, get out of it so I could calm down. But again, so give yourself that space and that opportunity. Don't suppress it. And don't push it down because it will come out in other ways, in other forms. And more often than not, at the wrong time, what you don't want to do is suppress all that emotion and keep pushing it down. And then, I don't know, you're at a Zoom Teams meeting with everyone talking about a product launch and it all comes out in different it come out. <laughs> It will come out and it may well come out in a very different emotion. It might not come out in the emotive, upset, crying of emotion. It might come out in anger or something else that wasn't meant to come out in that way. Hence why you've really got to give yourself that space and, and just be kind to yourself and allow it to flow through. It is. And it's funny. I think you've mentioned that song um, before and it's a beautiful song. And, and the song I used to listen to, it's a bit of a power on. And it got me through the days as Survivor by Destiny's Child. And even now, when I listen to it now, it gets me pumped up to think, yeah, I've managed it. I've, you know, I'm a warrior. I've achieved it. I'm bossing it. So even now, it's great to listen to those songs to see how far you have come. Yeah, yeah, absolutely change your playlist as well. I mean, I changed mine. I don't listen to that song anymore, but, but you know, definitely, you know, I think, you know, everyone that's going through these huge changes, they are overwhelming. They are scary. And the more that you move through the process, the stronger you will become, yeah. you know, it's one of the most stress stressful things, isn't it? After the, after death yeah. um, is, is getting divorced. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I can't remember if I've said this to you before. Um, 
there was kind of, I remember my dad saying this to me a couple of years ago, and um, I, I corrected him on it years later when getting divorced. And my dad always used to say about like the obvious, I think it was like the three really obvious things, like the three most stressful things in life is getting married, having a baby and moving house. And um, like a lot of people, it's like, like an old saying sort of thing, like three most stressful things. Um, and I said, no, I think you're wrong. It's all three in reverse at the same time. <laughs> uh, and when you're losing house, um, not getting to the kids uh, and uh, obviously uncoupling. Um, but again, I think the other, the other point is as well is talk to someone or try and talk to more than one person. Try and find your support group um, or support professional that knows exactly what it's like and make sure that they're surrounding yourself with positive experiences and find those people that friends, family, whatever they might be, colleagues who have been through not the same, but maybe something similar or have been through some kind of relationship program, but have had a positive outcome where they have a work, good working partnership with their exes, where they co-parent in a, in, a, in a positive way, where the kids are all happy. Those are the people to go and surround yourself with and share your stories and your angst and what's going on for you. And they'll be there for you because they'll get it first and foremost more than anyone. Um, and they'll even if it's just that sounding board for someone to listen to, um, but go and find the right supports for you because they are out there. Definitely. I mean, that's great advice. You know, we do talk about that support network so much and it is imperative that everyone has some sort of support network like you say an exercise buddy buddy someone just to go out with and 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 talk about things someone who's been through the experience just to to say yeah I, I get you I know how that feels it's really nice to have that validation isn't it absolutely think actually this I'm okay I can do this yeah absolutely cool all right well that was all of it all of the questions and points that I had anything else from you Oh my gosh. No, I haven't actually written anything down today, but that's not a bad thing. Because <laughs> uh, we, I mean, we, these are all organic, aren't they? We don't pre-script anything. Yeah. But we usually have like one or two opening questions to kind of get it flowing. And we yeah. didn't today. We just said, right, let's just hit record, get on with it. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was all That was all nice and organic and natural. So I hope it was good to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could have digressed somewhat, but you know. That's the joys of doing this live and just like going with the flow. Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah, I hope. As then, I suppose, uh, just saying goodbye to your audience. Thanks for listening or watching if it's on YouTube. Um, we are on Spotify and Amazon Music now for podcasts. Uh, Apple and Google Play is following. Um, it's just my technical uh, restrictions that it will be with you shortly, um, depending on when you listen to this. Uh, we've also got a number of guests coming up. We've got many guests planned over the next coming weeks and even months on a whole host of topics from people's personal stories and experiences, the variant type of experiences, um, through to professionals that are coming on, other solicitors, mediators that are coming to talk around very specialist topics as well, such as the nesting arrangements and things like that. So look out for those as well. Uh, last thing, as always, is if you can click Give us a like or a thumb, whatever, um, and a comment. That'd be fantastic. It helps with the algorithm and subscribe as well and share with anyone you might know, friends, colleagues, neighbours, uh, someone that might find some of our information and uh, little chats useful. Definitely. And we're also on Clubhouse, aren't we? Every Friday at 2.30, talking about something to do with relationships, divorces, separations. They're always great chats. So if you're a member of Clubhouse, please drop in and join us. And if you're not, get in contact because we've got loads of invites to share. And I think Android are on it as well now. So we can start sharing it with Android people as well. Brilliant. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, we'll see you again soon. Bye.
you can see 